Y'all ready for this? Yeah, yeah. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just watched The, the Clovish Killer. You are the best young lady that he has brought home to meet us. Also the only one. Dad. Not tying exemplifies the strength of a troop or family. How come Dad doesn't have to help with couponing? Because your father has his own hobbies. You know about that clothing stuff, right? Ten official victims. No fingerprints, no blood. Just the clove hitch tied to every victim's house. I've been meaning to talk to you. You know we're made in God's image. But men like you and me, we got thoughts. I don't think he stopped killing. I think there's more than ten victims. You can't control what pops into your head, right? He has pictures. I mean, what if a thought popped into your head right now? A bad thought. Does that look like your father's handwriting? Something like grabbing one of these tools and wham! There. Awkward talk with Dad. Over! You think your dad is Clovich? I don't know. Will the Something's going on. Something bad. He's insane. That's my dad. Maybe you don't know what a normal dad is like. She's manipulating you. Where are we going? Almost there, bud. It's true. We watched it on Hulu. Yes, if you would like to join us in this discussion, please feel free to watch this on Hulu. It's readily available on a streaming platform many people have. Your prayers have been answered. <laughs> Jeff, this was your selection. That's right. It sure was. How come you picked it? Well... I saw that it was on, uh, well, actually, I first heard of it because Red Letter Media did a review of it, and I had never even heard of it before that, and um, I saw that it was on Hulu recently, and I was like, oh, that I put that on my list to watch, and then when we were picking out movies, I just thought, that'd be a good one because it's on a streaming service that all of us have, and so yeah. make it a little easier for some people to... I'd keep talking. And also... <laughs> nothing's good. Nothing's wrong. I just, and also, yeah. I, and then, also, <laughs> and then is also okay. okay. Also, uh, none of us had seen it before. This uh, is I true. It would be a fun movie yeah. for all that of us cool. to watch because none of us had seen it. Yeah. yeah. We Craig and I had come across it on on demand, and thought, oh, that sounds good. We should watch it. But I think mm -hmm. we kept passing on it or maybe it wasn't free at the time kind of kept hitting the so. back the back burner if yeah. you will so yeah excellent choice and it was cool like all three of us not knowing mm -hmm. what was up yeah so 
Because there was there was one part in particular you and I looked at each other like, oh no. Yeah. Like, what part was that? <laughs> well, it's spoiler stuff. Oh, okay. It's so, like when we get well into it. Okay. So, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up again when yeah. we get to there. But like, I think we should try to do a non-spoiler talk before okay. we segue into spoilers. So like, try, try to talk about maybe like the first thirty minutes. Yeah. As well, setup and tone and stuff, and then yeah. just balls out get into spoilers because i don't think there's a way to have a total discussion without yeah. spoiler talk but. yeah but the basic premise is this kid just um suspects his father of being this serial killer called the clovich killer that's basically it right so. yeah and he's called the clovich killer because of the yeah he has like a calling card where he would take a piece of rope and tie a clovich to like something in on the house or in the mm-hmm. room and so that's how they knew like which ones were his and all that stuff so yeah. And like uh, the wet bandits. <laughs> Our uh, protagonist is probably like a youngish teenager, right? He's like mm-hmm. 16-ish around in there. He's old yeah. enough to drive, but still quite uh, innocent. His name's Tyler. And uh, his parents are very buttoned down and religious, and they live in anywhere America, kind of yeah. middle America, although we found out later... Yeah, it was Kentucky. It yeah, was, yeah, you Kentucky. know, That's right. they, they give little hints uh, throughout the movie, but they never overtly like we're in Kentucky. You know, yeah, nobody no... has like a thick Southern accent, yeah. and uh, but they do get the sort of that kind of Christian culture of like uh, down pretty well because like I I grew up in a similar way going mm. to like uh, like a private Christian school when I was in junior high, and sure. a lot of that stuff like brought back. Not good memories. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty hilarious sometimes how um, how mean Tyler's peers are to him about yeah. uh, you know rumor mongering and mm-hmm. th- there's there's a sequence early on where Tyler uh, takes a girl out you know and they're basically just cruising I guess they're mm-hmm. about ready to make out in the truck uh, Tyler's dad's truck and. Uh, she stumbles onto a bit of pornography that's uh, BDSM style uh, yeah. pornography, and uh, she freaks out, of course, and he takes her home. But then she tells people uh, at the school, you know, what she discovered and that he's a freak and all this stuff, and uh, no one really has any sympathy for him <laughs> or any kind of like, yeah. hey, you know, these things happen or what happened. Or no one even really asks his side of the story. It's just yeah. immediately. They're just like, you're a perv. Yeah. And that's that was my junior high experience. Not the perv part so much, just like, but that, that I whole, relate. That whole idea of just everybody kind of feeling like I don't I don't know. Judgmental. If I'm yeah, super judgmental. But like also, there's like a a thing about that where people kind of felt like it was okay for them to judge you that way because they thought they were kind of like helping you mm-hmm. religiously sure. somehow. Like in their mind, they're justifying this. But also just being a, uh, a kid, you yeah. know, like. Uh, <laughs> there was really a funny part where one of Tyler's buddies basically was like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it, Tyler. Because Tyler's trying to tell his side of the story. Yeah. He's like, it's a choice. It's a choice what you're doing. It's a <laughs> yeah. choice. You know, it's over and over. It's really funny. Yeah. And then and, his mom just assumes that he's like looking at pornography on the computer, which, sure. you know. I would have assumed the same thing if I was his mom. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, yeah, uh, Tyler's doing some research because uh, he discovers uh, that his dad is into some of this, uh, you know, the porno kind of gives him a hint of something is up. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's this weird porno in, in dad's truck. 
and dad has a sh uh, shed that he's always going to. It's kind of mysterious. It's always locked. Mm -hmm. And Tyler, uh, you know, makes his way into the shed. And there are things in the shed that kind of reveal that his dad has maybe a dark side and yeah. a strange side to him, right? Yeah. So he starts Googling and about this and the, uh, we should also say that the killer is like legendary in this town like and has been of, dormant for 10 years yeah 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 he hadn't killed anybody in 10 years but they still do like a a ceremony every year to honor the victims mm -hmm. so he starts searching around on the internet about the killer and the victims and um that's when his mom walks in on him and he right. closes the laptop really quick and it, it she you know i, I felt for tyler because i think he had he had the classic um he had a family computer. Like, he probably didn't have his own personal computer, <laughs> yeah. which I very much related to. That, that's yeah. how it was for me. And he and didn't have a phone. Like, he had a flip phone. He didn't exactly. have a Exactly. I thought those were really uh, wise choices by yeah. the director and writer or whatever that, yeah, he, he doesn't have access to the internet proper without his parents knowing about it. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool part where he's having to sneak in at, like, 3 in the morning to try to, like, Google something. Uh, and yeah, his his mom sees him, and it looks really bad. It does yeah. look like he's looking at pornography to yeah, me. Yeah, he can't but. be like, no, mom, I'm looking at murder victims. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure dad is the clothefish killer. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's kind of the the impetus, right? Is that a word? For sure. yeah, it is a word. Kia, I probably didn't use it correctly, but the, that's I think you did. Catalyst. How's that? Yeah. Uh, for the action moving forward, where Tyler is really suspicious that his dad is this dormant serial killer and still kind of has a little bit of a, a boner for killing and, you know, yeah. f fetishizes it and stuff like that. And we follow this character uh, as he does this research and kind of some twists and turns leading up to the conclusion. He's aided by a delinquent. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, there's a young lady that uh, reads a newspaper outside of the church, and that's more than enough for the churchgoers to think that she's some kind of well, deviant. Well, there's a rumor that she also slept with, like, five football players. Oh, right. She so. had a she had a gangbang in the yeah. I don't the know woods. if it was all at the same time. But. <laughs> oh, I thought it was for some reason. No. That's another sure. thing that reminded me of junior high. I remember, like, <laughs> one of my friends who used to live down the street from me, she, like, came from another town, and, of course, like, she was the new girl at school, and, of course, like automatically everyone started like making up rumors about her and yeah. saying that she was like sexually active and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at, you know, whatever age we were like 13, 14, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I, I related to this movie in a way I was not <laughs> expecting to when I was watching, I was like, Ugh. it was like bringing back bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should, we should point out though, that it's not super heavy handed against religious people or right, anything like yeah. that. They're not, they're not vilified or there's just some, uh, social choices that they make that are kind of amusing if you've been around it a little bit. Right. Because, uh, like, Tyler's family, other than his dad being questionable, is normal. Right. Like, his mom yeah. is fine. And yeah, his, his, he has yeah. a cute kid sister. and Right, they're not super judgmental. Right, and, and they're clearly not, they're a very loving group that mm -hmm. spend time with each other and yeah. stuff like that. They're not, uh, there's no, like, uh, carry... Uh, like yeah. mom is just a horrifying monster because she's religious type yeah. stuff going on here. So yeah. yeah, I don't mean to paint the picture that way. I'm just it was yeah, just yeah. bringing up like personal <laughs> memories of my own. Uh, but it, it was basically uh, that 
it was like his shitty friend. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and kind of like how they make up rumors about this girl, like that reminded me of like my junior high. Well, years. I, I'll never forget, uh, and I know I've told you guys this off mic before, but uh, there there was a time like in high school where I wasn't overtly religious, but I definitely mm-hmm. wasn't an atheist or anything like right. that, and I never was like, you know, against religious people at school, but I just wasn't part of the religious clique or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I spent the night with a a friend that uh, played in a band with me or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. We'll, like, you know, play. But, like, I had a bass guitar, and, he, yeah. you know, he was really good at guitar. And I was like, oh, this will be really fun. And, like, an overnight, you know, musician thing, whatever. This will be really cool. And the first time I ever went over his house, uh, when he introduced me to his family, he had a little four-year-old brother that walked up and said, Craig is weird. He's an atheist. <laughs> It was first thing out of the gate, and I, like the whole rest of the night, I was like, "Man, that's we- they're having all these weird conversations about me, or like what, what, what did oh, no. my friend tell his family?" Where he's like, "Listen, you got to be careful around this guy. He's got some weird ideas." And it's like, I really didn't. I was pretty boring, you know, square kid. But that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just wasn't super religious. I guess that was enough, yeah. you know, to be a little bit yeah. cautious around Craig. So. But I think a, a big part of in the movie, like, uh, they set that up to make it seem like, uh, oh, it's hard to believe that, you know, it makes it so you can kind of see, like, is is his dad actually the killer, or is he, is it just look this way because he's, sure. like, repressed this, uh, exactly. this yeah. thing, or, you know. Well, that's another thing is, or whatever. not only are these guys religious, um, dad and Tyler and Tyler's friends are all part of kind of a Boy Scout-like group called right. the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and dad is like a, what do you call it, group leader? What was yeah. that called? Yeah. Troop leader Troop or leader. something like that. Um, and hardcore into it, like mm-hmm. really loves it. And they're doing like food drives. And he seems like a like a really trusted member of the community. And yeah, I think you're totally right. You're supposed yeah. to kind of like think, well, maybe he does have the sexual urges that he's not able to, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. uh, carry through because he's religious. Yeah. So, And he, uh, another thing is he's just very, like, friendly and nice mm. and polite to everybody. Like, you would never expect a guy that, like, outgoing and personable to be a killer or anything, so... But um, I would. Because <laughs> you, you watch no a lot one. of those shows, so you <laughs> you know the uh, the makeup of a lot of these guys. Yeah, I think I wonder if uh, I'm sure like with most movies like this, whoever writes the movie or comes up with it mm-hmm. is inspired by actual people who've done stuff like this, you know. So mm-hmm. I just uh, watched that documentary recently about Ted Bundy, and he was very personal with people and stuff, but you know, he also did horrendous things Mm. so should we get into any spoilers is that a because i feel like they kind of reveal something pretty early on in the movie that leads you to believe one thing throughout the rest of the movie or at least it did for Mm. me i would say let's get into spoilers yeah i was actually looking up um the director and writer just out of curiosity where they're from and stuff but it's not really um I, i should have done better research i guess but um, the director has, this is his first feature film. Oh. So he, he this isn't something, uh, you know, he's pretty new 
to filmmaking, I guess, as far as you know, professional stuff. It doesn't say where he's from. No, I can't. I can't <laughs> see. Although his profile picture, he's rowing a boat on a lake. Um, <laughs> And then the the writer Christopher Ford, uh, he also wrote uh, Robot and Frank, which is a movie I like a lot. And he did the most recent Spider Man, uh, Spider Man Homecoming. He was one oh, of the screenwriters, really? yeah. And oh. Cop Car. I don't know if you remember that from a couple years yeah. back. Cool. But yeah, the director is Duncan Skiles, and the writer Christopher Ford. <laughs> which kudos to them. I think they did yeah. a great job. Yeah, so. I did too. So yeah, now we're gonna go into spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen this movie and you want all the twists and turns. Preserved for you. Uh, drop out now and see that Bye. movie. <laughs> then come, come back. back. Balls out <laughs> oh, <good>. and ready. <laughs> and spoilers. So I thought, like when he when he snuck into the dad's little shed and he found the shoebox with all the magazines. Mm. I thought like the Polaroid that he found was like the smoking gun. I was like, well, he wouldn't have that if he wasn't the killer. Right. So I kind of felt yeah. like Polaroid of, of a victim, obviously right. bound up. Yeah. 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 And then when he talked to the girl, he was like, "Did they have any like Polaroids?" And she's like, "No, it's all digital." So like, mm. he's the only one that would have it. The killer was the only one who would have it. So. Oh, and I don't know if we mentioned uh, the girl. Um, her name is Cassie. Cassie. Um, she is really into true crime and mm -hmm. especially this this killer, the Klovich mm -hmm. killer. Yeah, she like spends time at the house of a lady who is a former police officer or detective or something. She, she wrote a book wrote on... Wrote a book, she, yeah. Right, right, yeah, exactly. I guess she just hangs out at her house sometimes. That's what it looks like, yeah. <laughs> and they have access to all these old school files yeah, and cool. uh, paperwork and stuff like that. So together they start to really do a lot of hardcore research. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't quite know in, at, in the beginning that Tyler suspects his dad is the killer. She just thinks that he yeah. is interested in it. Yeah. So. I will say that when she, when she, when uh, Tyler tells her about the Polaroid, because I think the name on the Polaroid, it's Nora, mm -hmm. right? right? And it says like Lucky's favorite. Mm -hmm. And when Tyler tells her that in the truck, she was very dismissive. She had just had dinner with his family. So she, she just thought it can't be your dad. He's so cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was weird that she was initially so dismissive because it's like, she knew there was a victim that was named Nora, mm. and I don't think it's normal for there to be a Polaroid of someone being... But he didn't tell her about the Polaroid, though, right? I thought he said, I found a Polaroid with the name Nora on it. Well, I know when he first mentions it to her, he's, he just asked if there are Polaroids that the police took, and she's like, no, it's just digital, but I, no. you might be right, though. I, I, I thought it was in, like in the truck. I thought, I thought he said... I found a Polaroid that said Nora and Lucky's favorite. Yeah, she was oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, no. that's when he told her. You're right. But but I think she her thing was to be blasé about everything. Yeah. Like that was kind of her teenage, you yeah. know, front or whatever is that she doesn't care about people mm -hmm. and you know everything's kind of a joke. So she may have tucked it away in her head and just outwardly to him acted like it wasn't a big deal. Plus, I thought it was a good sign that as much as she was into the case and knowledgeable about the case, that maybe she could even initially be fooled. Sure. By someone just being nice normal. and normal. Right. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. And then they, uh, there was something that he said, I guess, that like stuck in her mind. And so she started doing research. He said Lucky's, Lucky's, Lucky's favorite. favorite. She That's said that thing. stuck yeah. with me. I can't remember why. Because she, she comes back to his house like, I was writing in my Cheap Chills book. Why was she so dismissive? And then the next scene was like, something you said stuck with me. And I was mm. like, oh. Yeah. Um, but then they find that I map forgot. inside the uh, in the in the shed. They go to look. He goes to like find the photo to show her, 
and right. the box of pornography and the photo are gone. Right. But they find a, she finds a map in there that he's like hand drawn. Yeah. And he realizes like, oh, this is like underneath our house. Mm. So he uses the map to go into the house to try to see what's. But his map was weird because his map almost looks like, like um, like something he was planning to build because it had like a will of yeah, torture. Yeah. It almost kind of reminded me of I can't think of his name. Like America's first serial killer at the Chicago World the Fair. H. H. Holmes. Right. When yeah. he had like his chamber of horrors. That's what it kind of made me think yeah. that maybe he's well, building this somewhere. It, there may have been, there's two things. Either over the last 10 years, he's parred it back where he's taken out things. Maybe he had more elaborate shit down there at one point and stripped it down where it's more bare bones. Or maybe he just had little fantasies that he, you know, wrote on there. Just you know, yeah, maybe it was like a, a plan that he was going to do, and then like maybe he didn't. Well, he, he had it, mentioned yeah. life getting in the way at a, a, later in the movie, <laughs> having kids, with having kids yeah. and stuff. So maybe that's what happened. Is you yeah. know, when his kids got a little bit older, or when he had a younger one, he kind of like slacked off of his, you know. Yeah, he's like, I can't just have all this stuff down here. My right. kids might stumble across it, which they did. Yeah. <laughs> so when the son does confront the father about the stuff he found, because he also found a bunch of driver's licenses, which automatically yeah. means you you know more than right you're inside on. knowledge for sure at the very least. Um, and his father says it wasn't me; it was Rudy, which is like his invalid brother who's in a wheelchair or something. Yeah. So do we think that's all made up? Because I do. Because Rudy has been in a wheelchair for the past 10 years, conveniently, and that's when the crimes have stopped. And so, and did the brother pick up where he left off, or do we all think it was his father the whole time? I think it was all his father, and his father was just trying to deflect <laughs> attention away from himself and be like, no, 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 it was Rudy, and there's no way for <laughs> us to prove it's not because he's like... He's invalid. Yeah, he's yeah. invalid. He can't talk, or he's a not poor gonna, man. you know... It's like yeah. an easy scapegoat. They need to give him a bell, like the guy in Breaking Bad. So he's <laughs> yeah. like, no, just keep ringing it over I, and over I felt kind of bad for the, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming that they're, that uh, the uncle, the invalid uncle was religious before he mm -hmm. b became incapacitated because that would really suck to be forced to go to this church service that sucked really bad. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like one of those bad church services with the really milk toast music that, yeah. you know what I mean? It that kind of really well, it's bad depending on if that's what, if that's the kind of service you like. True. If he liked it, then he was in heaven. He was <laughs> yeah. looking forward to it every week, I'm sure. But he's otherwise, like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, he's like, like front row. He can't even avert his eyes. <laughs> he's just got to just, oh. funny. Um, but when they find the license and the licenses and the son and the father talk about it, the son is totally convinced. Mm -hmm. Yep. I guess it was my uncle. I believe my dad. And so they burn all the evidence together. Well, in all fairness, I think Tyler wants desperately <laughs> to believe that his dad is a good person you or, you know, a flawed person, but not evil. Yeah. So I think he's kind of willing to accept the lie a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he doesn't want his dad to be the killer. He just, yeah. <laughs> like, well, I guess it's better to, it's my uncle than my dad, I guess. But. And yeah. there is also the chance that, uh, you know, the killer has been dormant for 10 years. So maybe he thinks even if it is his dad, maybe he's, he's done. Maybe yeah. it's out of his system and he's a good man now. And, like his dad points out, we can't bring them back. So hmm. maybe Tyler just thinks, you know, broken eggs, uh, let's just try to be normal. What if this, what if the the uncle was going, found out that his oh. brother was the killer and was going to go <gasps> tell the cops and then he set a thing up to make it look like he got in a car accident? To, yeah, because the father tries to make it seem like the accident that caused him to be an invalid was 
a suicide attempt. Yeah, that's what he reveals Ooh, to what Tyler. What if he like yeah. cut his brakes or something? Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's interesting. It's a good idea. Let's do it. No, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> prequel. <laughs> um, but what happened after that? I forgot. There was something. Well, he, he, Kia just described Tyler confronting his dad, his dad right. telling, you know, spinning this idea that it was actually his brother that did everything. And then Tyler and his father destroy all the evidence. Because Tyler basically That's says, yeah. you can't fetishize this stuff anymore. You can't, like, have it in some lockbox where you go through it. You need to destroy all of it. And he says you need to go it. to the cops or get rid of it. Right. And they yeah. get rid of it. And that's a, if I was watching it at home, I'd be like, don't get rid of it. Like, I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I was like, it's evident. Sure. Why, why would you give him the option of like destroy the evidence or take it to the cops? It's right. Like, You're definitely but, more concerned, I guess, about your own family than exactly. these other and, families that don't have closure. And, and dad says that. I mean, dad says basically, I don't want, you know, it'll be so hard on your mom and, you know, you and your sister, it'll just turn our lives upside down. And selfishly, I'm sure Tyler mm-hmm. thinks of those things. I mean, he, he has a great relationship with his family, yeah. so, you know. And again, I think Tyler just wants to believe his dad's not the killer. Yeah. And so... Yeah. Uh, Dylan McDermott's great in this, by the way. Yeah, he's he great is in so everything. Yeah. <laughs> he's even, this is weird, but even though he, you know, was creepy, I was like, you know what? He's still attractive. Yeah, he even <laughs> kind of had a dad vibe. He, he yeah, officially yeah, got a gut. Yeah. Because not that long ago, he was in the most recent American Horror Story, and they show him, you know, shirtless and stuff, and he was still all yeah. chiseled. And, and that, um, that Hulu, those Hulu movies, he was in the Thanksgiving episode. Uh, no, that was is that Dermot, Dermot Maroney? Maroney. What the hell? Sorry. Good Lord. I get their names mixed up a lot, too. <laughs> Dylan don't, McDermott, Dermot Maroney. Yeah, don't. That might have that, something to do with the quiz, oh, so you can't look up anything. That wow. could be a great segment on Doug Loves Movies. Yeah. Dermot, wait, Dylan McDermott Mulroney? That could be, <laughs> well, like, I'm going to name a movie, and you tell me if it's got Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulroney. Well, guess yeah. what? Yeah. What's that? It's going to be a segment on Half Ass <laughs> Horror Trivia. Yeah. That's, that's, I've got 20 questions ready for you guys. Yes. So that's what Kia kept looking up uh, Dermot Mulroney. Like, Mulroney. I yeah, know getting what him. they look like, but I always, every now and then, we'll just get confused. Yeah. But yeah, Dylan, so Dylan McDermott's American Horror Story. Well, actually, the other one was in American Horror Story, Dang but not it. as a main part. He's only in was three it? episodes. I found all this out doing research what, for the quiz. Of so. what season? I've forgotten. A recent one, I think. The one we watched? I think so. Huh. Anyway. But yeah, I think he's really good in this movie because he's yeah. very different than he was on American Horror Story and then uh, the Campaign. That's another movie he was. Oh in. right, oh, okay. right. But uh, yeah, he's he's very different. He's very like corny dad well, in this. But. And, and I really, again, I, I, not to lay it on too thick. I love how these people were normal, but they did. They seem natural normal. They didn't seem like. Like pr- these really fancy actors and directors um, playing like yokels, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and we should mention the mother is Samantha Mathis, who I think yeah. is really good. Who yeah. was also she was definitely in one of the Hulu movies. <laughs> oh yeah, she was in the she most was in the recent Mother's one. Day one, which yeah, yeah. I really liked. She's um, really good. So yeah, it is, I don't know. I just really appreciated them playing um, middle America characters, mm-hmm. but not doing it like they're idiots without so. bad, horrible Southern accents. Right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Right. Whew. All right. There's none of those Kentucky blue people. <laughs> um, and he does a great job of being charming and, and friendly and stuff like that, like you mm-hmm. guys have mentioned, and still kind of weirdly menacing when he can. What's more creepy about him is that not only is he in church, he's a troop leader. Mm-hmm. 
But he's also like a handyman. So he's someone that can come in and out of your house. Yeah. And I mean, think about that. How many people come over to your house and you just willingly let them into your house upstairs yeah. and you have no idea if Cable they're guys, going to kill you. Bug guy. Yeah. Cops. Yeah. There was a, what's his name? The Golden State Killer was a cop. Oh. And that's how he was able to know where the cops were and he would stalk his victims and stuff. Kind of similar way that uh, Clovich Keller does in this movie. Yeah. There's another story I saw. It wasn't Golden State um, this Golden State Killer, but it was another serial killer that was a cop and he was actually interviewed giving tips on how to be safe at night <laughs> while the murder investigation was going on. This is like back in the 80s, I think. Make sure you leave a key under the doormat. <laughs> <laughs> giving all these things like uh, not always leave like a nice, you know, jug of sweet tea in the fridge <laughs> just in case you have friends over. Huh? Like, what does this have to do with safety? <laughs> oh, nothing. Like, wear your nicest clothes <laughs> at all time. Um, so after this turn, right, yes. Tyler and his dad, they destroy the evidence. Yes. And Tyler has been wanting to go to this. Um, it's kind of like a, I guess, a camp like some kind of like summer school or something of that nature mm-hmm. to uh, leadership academy, I think mm-hmm. is what they call it, because he wants to go into the military and that's going to look great on his resume and all this stuff. And earlier in the film, dad says, I, I don't have the money for it. I'm really sorry. But suddenly <laughs> he comes up with the cash and yeah. he tells him, you're going the hell away. Goodbye. So Tyler leaves the movie mm-hmm. and then dad convinces his wife <laughs> and his little girl to go out of town also. Mm-hmm. And, and it's next- at that moment you realize... For sure, he's got to be the killer because he's trying to get rid of his family. Sure. And, like, what's really interesting is for the next 20 minutes, it becomes his movie. Like, the main protagonist leaves, Mm -hmm. and then we just follow the the dad doing, you know, scoping someone out and, you know, kind of getting into some weird stuff. And And it's almost like... uh... He had all that stuff from the victims from before and pictures and stuff that he would use, I'm I'm assuming, as masturbation stuff or whatever and then after it's burned now he doesn't have that anymore so he's oh. trying to recreate it so yeah. he's like dresses up like a woman I didn't know and he what puts a mask he was on. doing with that yeah okay I, I think so. you're right because they even show that he has problems uh, performing with his wife mm. and th- I'm sure that's the implication too is he doesn't have yeah. his material that gets him going so yeah exactly he gets the polaroid out and he dons uh, kind of a a woman costume, I guess. Yeah, and it's like a weird, creepy mask and a wig, and he wears his wife's lingerie mm-hmm. and the shoes. Yeah, yeah he tries to pictures. take pictures of himself in compromising positions, yeah. and it's not doing it for him. Yeah, <laughs> and then he makes a choice. He spots a lady at the grocery store, mm-hmm. and suddenly he thinks, "I know what I'm gonna do." Which I wrote about in my book because I have seen numerous investigation discovery shows. Where that's exactly how victims have chosen, and they, hmm. it's caught like on camera, where you can see them being followed throughout the store, mm-hmm. and it's very scary and weird. And whenever I go in a store, I'm always cognizant of like where cameras are and stuff, because it's just weird that you could just be going to Target just yeah. the wrong place at the wrong time, and someone's just there hunting, yeah. basically yeah. for someone that's in broad daylight. Because yeah, that's how he scoped his victim. It was mm-hmm. broad daylight. And he attacks broad her in broad daylight. I remember thinking uh, that during the movie, like, wow, he didn't even wait for nighttime. He just, yeah, middle of the day, walked in there. Mm-hmm. You can do that as a handyman. No one would suspect anything. Right. Um, no offense if they're handymen listening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give them any ideas. <laughs> but, but, yeah, we're treated to uh, dad 
doing his thing, doing a serial killer stroll. And uh, he is in the last moments of uh, probably about ready to kill his victim. Mm -hmm. He's tortured her a little bit and tied her up. And he's he's always very gentle with his voice when he's doing that. It's really creepy and well done, I thought. Question, did we think he was going to kill her? Because when he first confronts her in the house, he's like, oh, I just robbed a bank. I'm just looking for... I just need to get away. I need to take your car and your money or something like that. So part of me was thinking, okay, he's going to do this one differently. Like, I thought he was really just going to take her stuff. I thought it was just part of an act. Okay. I thought it was something that he was he had come up with just yeah. to kind of, like, get her to go along with whatever he was saying. It's like, oh, after this one thing, then I'll let you go. Then, mm-hmm. oh, wait, this one other thing. And then it just... Mm-hmm. To make her more cooperative, maybe? Yeah, I think his strength is how nice he is and how charismatic he is. So he uses that so that she doesn't resist physically. Um, He doesn't, you know, get scratches or have to actually fight her or anything like that. He, yeah, just convinces her to do all this stuff. Because he never shows his face. So I thought, oh, okay, he's going to let her go. Because I kept waiting for him to take the mask off. Then I would, you know, think, okay, he's Mm got to kill her now. But I was pretty certain he was going to kill her, but... I mean, I guess there is a little bit of doubt in the viewer, so... Um, But he's leading up to this moment, and... Oh, sorry, I should (laughs) say, like, before... Well, before what you're about to explain, like, he does put, like, a shopping bag over her head, and it seems like she's about to suffocate, and he's just sitting there watching her do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, she's, like, on the edge of death, pretty much, and... Behold, Tyler walks through the door with a rifle, yeah. and we're like, "What the fuck?" Because we we all were convinced. I assume I was anyway yeah. that he was gone. He was out of the picture for a while, um, but no. Uh, we are treated to a flashback where uh, Tyler and Cassie have been uh, shadowing their dad mm-hmm. or his dad, and because they had their suspicions, Cassie brings some evidence right to Tyler's attention, yeah, um, and reveals that her mother was killed by the Klovich killer. Mm-hmm. And why she has such a personal investment in it. So, and he he mentions that he's like, "What's what's her name? Such and such." And she's like, "How would you know that?" He's like, "Well, because mm-hmm. I saw her ID in my dad's little like serial killer box." You know? Yeah, because <laughs> it's not a victim. Her mother wasn't attached to the Clothitch killer because her dad, for some reason, wanted to keep it a secret. Yeah, or they didn't want to be involved. So mm-hmm. I don't think her mother's name was ever released to the public. So no one would have known. Yeah, what her name was. I, mean, I just thought it was a really brilliant reveal because yeah. I didn't yeah. think Tyler would be walking through the door at all. Yeah. And uh, the flashback bits, I thought, really filled in a lot of interesting gaps. Yeah. Um, they were cool because you would see, in the flashback, you would see the father doing his thing, doing his thing which they had already shown. But now you would see it from Tyler and Cassie's perspective. So, like, when he's at the grocery store, you realize they're also at the grocery store looking and... Sure. They, and there, you know. There's even a moment where dad is freaking out because uh, he's sexually frustrated and he's on the bed, <laughs> but, you know, thrusting and just yeah. acting like a maniac. And uh, Tyler is underneath the bed. That didn't happen. No? No. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't remember him being under the bed. I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> um, his dad just walked in with the clothes, wearing the clothes. Yeah, and the then he texted Cassie clothes. and she rung the doorbell so that yeah. he had to, like, oh. change clothes really quick. I was probably drawing my picture at that point. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, but yeah, like you find out characters were in different spots, you know, throughout that whole sequence where you were mm-hmm. following the dad or whatever, and it really kind of augments what was going on. Um, I, I thought that was a great idea too, because yeah. like if they had, you know, edited it together where you see like this, you know, the son hiding, and then like I, th- I feel like in my mind I probably would have been like, 
I don't know if I would believe that. I feel like his dad would have noticed him there. But like the way they did it, you know, you watch the dad's perspective the whole time and you never even think about mm-hmm. the, anybody else being well, there. Well, the other thing too is like, uh, I think the whole time I would have been like, oh, this lady's not in real big danger because these kids are going to, if it gets too intense, they're right. going to do something to save her. Um, so not knowing that, not knowing that they were around, I was like, he's going to kill this lady yeah. and like the, the son's going to come home and be like devastated that his dad's doing this stuff again. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be the last leg of the movie was like the son realizing he's going to keep killing. So yeah. What happened to that lady? Like when she have filed a police report, does she survive? Well, she did, but okay. uh, Cassie reassures Tyler later on that she uh, wouldn't recognize his dad because okay. he never took off the mask. Okay. So, that, and she was unconscious when they were a part of it. Okay. So she she seems pretty confident that even if she does go to the police, which I'm sure she did, um, that it would never get back to them. Right. So. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. I love the way they reveal things like that in the movie because they they do another thing at the end where it's like. It it just cuts to later where like they don't ever actually say what happened, but they kind of fill in the gaps of like, you know, he's not there, like the dad's not there, the killer. So you're like, well, what happened to the dad? Did they kill the dad? Did he run away? What happened? You know, mm-hmm. and then they go back again and show that, you know, uh, Tyler and Cassie was that her name, Cassie? Yeah, I think so. They uh, they take him out to the woods and set up a campground to make it look like his dad was camping. And then I guess they shot him. Mm. Yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and poor mom uh, believes that uh, her husband has killed himself, that he, you know, was having problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, that's the other thing I was going to ask. I wasn't sure from watching it. Was she basically saying, like, uh, that she knew about what his dad had done? Because she kind of, you know, that scene where she starts crying and she's like, I know he had his own problems or whatever. And right. then she starts crying and I'm like, did, whoa, did she know that he was the killer? Or did she just think like, oh, he's into this bondage porn stuff or huh. like, what do you think? I hope, I hope she didn't know he was the killer because she was like, he had his problems, but we worked on it together. Yeah. So I... maybe the, maybe the porn. Well, I just took it as like normal marital stuff. I yeah. mean, you know, just acknowledging that he wasn't perfect and they had an issue sometimes, but I they always worked on it. I thought was ride or die. <laughs> <laughs> I married this man. It's a holy union. Um, Do you think that because they decide to keep it a secret, because uh, Cassie's about to dial 911 when they're at the lady's house mm-hmm. after they take out her dad, take out his dad. And I, I like the fact that Cassie hits him in the head with a lamp, mm-hmm. yeah. the dad, and then she hits him again right. to make sure he's out, because usually in those movies, they don't do that. Right, and he gets back up. Yeah. yeah. So she's going to call 911, but Tyler stopped her. Do you think, I know he's trying to protect his family, but at the same time, once again, it's kind of like there's so many of these other families out there that don't know what happened to their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And so you, once again, you kind of put your own family against the greater good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I, it's kind of interesting thinking that Cassie would be complacent in that being a victim herself, but that's a great point. You know, that she, she kind of goes with it. She but. tells us that she was there when her mother was killed. Like the killer right. put her in the bathroom and turned up the water. So you would think she would go, no, these other people need justice. I would feel guilty. I think mm. knowing I know who did this and these police officers, you know, 
these this, this these families don't have closure, I probably would feel a little guilty. But I buy that Cassie uh, seemed to care about Tyler, so maybe she thought, you know, this does suck, but I don't want to ruin his life or his yeah. family's life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of buy it, but but I agree that I would be in her shoes. I'd be super guilty. In his <laughs> yeah. shoes, I'd be super guilty, yeah. obviously. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, because there's even that scene where he's making the speech at the end, and he's basically, like, trying to paint a picture of his dad of being, like, this great guy, but he knows that his dad was actually this awful killer, mm-hmm. and, uh, but he has to, like, present it to everybody else that he's a good stand-up yeah. pillar of the community, mm-hmm. and and then he also has to, he, like, he's the one that killed his dad, and he can't, I don't know, it's almost like... Tyler is this hero, but he can't tell people, like, I right. killed the Clovage killer! <laughs> well, like, and I, I thought Tyler was actually a pretty interesting character, for, especially for a character that doesn't get to speak all that much. He kind of yeah. reacts to a lot of things, but I thought a really beautiful moment, and it was frustrating in the moment <laughs> watching it, was when he has the rifle on his dad, and his dad is convincing him, hey, listen, don't, don't, you don't want to shoot me. You need to lower your rifle. And then he starts talking about gun safety and what he taught him and firearm yeah. safety. And he tells him, you know, you got to turn the, the rifle around, butt out. Remember, kid, <laughs> butt out. And, and the kid, you know, Tyler's like, you're right. And just kind of like slowly takes the rifle yeah. away. And then obviously dad wrestles the rifle away from him. And you just think... This kid's an idiot. Why didn't he shoot him? That was a scene where you and I looked at each other. We were like, <gasps> "Yeah, it, it was like almost, it was that. totally unbelievable." But then it's revealed. Well, it's very dark. But Dad points the rifle at Tyler, <laughs> pulls the trigger, and nothing happens. And he unbolts it and realizes that it was empty. That there were yeah. no bullets in it. And I just thought that said so much about Tyler that, like, he went in there knowing he wasn't going to kill his dad. I mean, he yeah. wasn't capable of doing it. Right. Or whatever. He was just going to use it to like threaten him. But knowing hopefully. that your dad was going to kill you. And then he tried to choke you out right. until you were saved by Cassie. I felt like that would make me even more, you know, want to be like nine one one. Right. My dad is a clove hitch killer. <laughs> That's true. Like, why, why save his Screw reputation at that point? Well, but then it's also, you know, he's also got to think about his mom and his sister and kind of like how the, this, as judgmental as that community is like, they're like, they're already like harshly judging him because they think he had some kind of like, porno magazine right like imagine if they're like oh your dad was a clovage killer you must be some awful person too right. like let's but even you know. more so like you would get to show your mom that look how horrible these people are that you think really care about you mm. and they don't but you'd still be like she'd still be like shunned from the whole community they would yeah. have like they would moved have to, move to another that, which state that, or that's a pretty easy fix honestly in the grand yeah. scheme of things but <laughs> Yeah, um, I think like in reality, I would be like, especially if my dad tried to kill me, I'd be like, "Fuck this guy!" Like I'm, I'm going to the cops. I'm telling everybody. Well, but yeah. I just thought it kind of went back into you know Tyler has an upbringing that uh, I don't think he's capable of killing a person. You know what I mean? Hmm. And, and that I, I think that's what it was is that he went in there thinking I'm I'm going to save this person from getting killed by my dad, but I'm not going to kill him if I can help it. You know, yeah. so he didn't want that option of being mm-hmm. able to shoot him. Um, but then when his but dad kill him. his dad shows him that he was going to kill him, he's like, all right, well, all bets are off now. <laughs> yeah, I guess now so. I'm killing yeah. you. I do think <laughs> that was a really good scene with Dylan McDermott. He was like, hey, hey, buddy. Right. Yeah. Like immediately just like, listen, we're, me and her, we're just having an affair. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> oh, yeah, he has all these quick stories. Yeah, they, he's really good at coming up with excuses uh, on the spot. Like, yeah. Tyler and Cassie walk in on this, on his father brutalizing this woman, and he tries to spin it as though it was a consensual love affair. He's like, we're into some kinky stuff. Your mom, I know. And I, your mom knows about it. It's cool. And he's convincing, because part of me was like, oh, my God, what if Tyler shoots him? And it's true. Oh, yeah. That would be a crazy, like, twist Damn ending. Damn you, Dylan oh, McDermott. That, that really would have been a weird twist. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, it was like the, the invalid uncle all along. <laughs> Your dad just flashed asleep. back to the uncle and everything. Like it was all true. <laughs> like, um, I, I will say too. Also, one thing that I thought was really great was early on in the movie they established that mom is a light sleeper and mm-hmm. she wakes up when Tyler's using the the computer. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, I, like all, all throughout the rest of the movie, when Tyler is lurking around and going in the shed and going under the house, I was like, mom is going to wake up and notice yeah. I, I had like some suspense, like legit suspense because of that. And maybe that's just a byproduct I brought to it, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool too. So, yeah. 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 All in all, I thought it was really great. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I agree. Interesting trivia tidbits that you brought up. What's that? Well, you mentioned that the, uh, the main kid was almost going to be Spider-Man. Yes. According to IMDb, the, um, the lead actor, Charlie Plummer, I, I, I looked him up because I thought maybe he was related to Christopher Plummer, but he's totally not. But uh, he was almost cast as Spider-Man, lost out to Tom Holland. So mm. I think he would have been a good Spider-Man. So. And on Wikipedia, I don't know if this is true, I hope it is, but it says that the main kid, Charlie Blummer, is a big fan of the Atlanta Falcons. Anyone can add to Wikipedia. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Jeff. Why don't you start us off with with your rating and if you recommend it? I'd most definitely recommend it. Yes. And I'm I really hope if you haven't seen the movie yet, you didn't listen to the last half of that conversation. Because <laughs> it's really good. It's really worth watching. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I give it like an A. Yeah. So. I would give it an A too. Yeah, I think I'd give it a minus. Yeah. <laughs> What's the minus for? I'm reserving <laughs> A's and A pluses for just like stellar, yeah, like perfect, yeah, yeah, flawless yeah. things. I would give it an A. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So thumbs up all around. Yes. Check it out. It's on Hulu. I think this is pointless for me to say because surely to God you watched it before you listened to us talk it out. Please you know what? Yeah. Even if we spoiled it for you, it's probably still worth watching though. Yeah. So check it out. It's it's worth watching just for. Uh, Dilmer, Dilmer Maroney's uh, <laughs> performance. And, and I'm definitely looking forward to what these guys do next. Duncan Skiles and Christopher Ford uh, definitely be on my radar now. So, oh, show. Good going. <laughs> All right. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just reviewed The, the Clovich Killer. Once again for Half-Assed Horror Trivia! And welcome to Half-Assed Horror Trivia. I'm your host, Craig, and with us is Jeff. Howdy. And Kia. Salutations. Kia, the returning champion. Clovich Killer star Dylan McDermott is often mistaken for fellow... Kia! Wow. Is this the question? No, this is oh, me doing an intro before you interrupted me. I just got really excited. Clovich Killer. What did you think the question was going to be? 
<laughs> yeah, what's your answer? Dermot Maroney. You're just going to do a 50-50 no matter what? <laughs> what? Wow. <I> okay. <laughs> like, you were about to, you were like, he's often confused with Dermot. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was, was already like, about to say He's often confused it. with what actor? Okay. You know. This is the intro. <laughs> I'm trying to establish what this quiz will be about, and I will begin now. Please do not interrupt me. Clovich Killer star Dylan McDermott. Let me say that again. Clovich Killer star Dylan McDermott is often mistaken for feller actor. <laughs> I had this perfectly until you interrupted me. Clovich Killer star Dylan McDermott is often mistaken for fellow actor Dermot McMulrooney. <laughs> Please leave all this in. <laughs> no, don't look at it. Mulroney. Mulroney. Clovich Killer star Dylan McDermott is often mistaken for fellow actor Dermot, Dermot Mulroney. I ask you contestants to finally break this pop culture spell with your trivia savvy. I ask you to declare Dylan or Dermot. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so I'm going to list a few films in a row here, and you have to buzz in with your name and then declare Dylan or Dermot. Begin. How to make an American quilt. Kia. Yes. Dermot. That is correct. Goodbye, lover. Kia. <laughs> Just I heard of that. <laughs> Kia. Yes. Dylan. Incorrect. <laughs> Derm Jeff Dermot. Correct. That's how this works, gentlemen, oh. ladies. Yeah. <laughs> Home for the holidays. Jeff. Yes. D Dylan. Correct. Yeah. I had to think about their names were again. I was just getting confused. <laughs> Dylan or Dermot. <laughs> Three to tango. Kia. Yes. Dermot. Incorrect. Dermot. Jeff Dillon. Oh. Correct. Young Guns. Jeff. Dermot Mulroney. That's one of the only movies of his <sighs> I know. True. He played Dirtus Steve. <laughs> Hamburger Hill. Kia. Yes. Dermot. Incorrect. Gosh. Jeff Dillon. Correct. <laughs> the perks of being a wallflower. Kia. Yes. Dylan. Correct. Zodiac. Kia. Yes. Dermot. Correct. The Gray. Kia. Yes. Dermot. Correct. Texas Rangers. Jeff. Yes. Dylan. That is correct. Dang it. Still Magnolias. Kia. Dermot. Incorrect. Oh, Jeff what? Dylan. It is correct. It is Dylan. Next, next title. Bastard out of Carolina. Yeah. Hmm. I've seen that movie. Um, uh, uh, Answer uh, now. Oh, stop. You, uh, Dylan. Incorrect. Damn it. Jeff Dermot. <laughs> Son of a. Correct. My best yeah. friend's wedding. Got it. That is correct. Yes. About Schmidt. Kia. Yes. Dylan. Incorrect. Yes. I actually knew that one. Dermot. Bitch. Correct. Forgot about it. In the line of fire. Kia. 
Yes. Dermot? Incorrect. Oh, oh my goodness. Jeff Dillon. It is true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the cowboy way. Jeff Dillon. That is correct. Oh, now we're going to shift the questions a bit. Mm. It's still, the answer is still Dylan. Dylan! Oh, damn it! But they're gonna, it's not gonna be titles, it's gonna be an actual question, so please listen in. Okay. Which one of the two is older? Dylan? Oh, Dermot! Uh, I'll say Jeff. Yes. Dermot! Incorrect. Dylan! That is correct. Dylan was born in 61, Dermont in 63. Oh. Next question. Who voiced the Green Lantern on three episodes of The Batman? Kia. Yes. Dermot? That is correct. Dermot. Their birth name was actually Mark. Kia. Yes. Answer! Dylan. That is correct. <laughs> and the final question. Oh, man. Worth seven points. Listen. <laughs> Auditioned for Mandy Patankin's role in The Princess Bride. Jeff. Yes. Dermot. Incorrect. No! Dylan. That is correct. Yay! What is? The score is Kia... Eleven. What? Je <laughs> That's not what I see. Jeff, what do you see? I see nine. How do you see anything? Well, I can see through the car and watch you make every one of those marks the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, eleven. Jeff acts like he doesn't care, but he cares, damn it. You give him his points. Kia, nine. Oh. Nine, eleven. Oh. Those numbers. Never wow. forget. Chasing me hmm. around. So, Jeff, you have broken the spell. Dylan O'Dermott. Dermot. No. <laughs> That's not one of the questions? No. Thank you for joining us for Half-Ass Horror Trivia. Your host, Craig. Goodbye! <laughs> The lines. Pull it up. It was a question from a while ago, and it wasn't the best question in the world. Well, you really know how to intro something. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Kia? Yes. Will you do your segment now, please? Yes. Welcome to my segment, Beyond the Lines, with Kia McLean. My question is, what element of horror movies do you find the most effective? I came across an article where it listed many things such as monsters, fear of death, darkness, scary places, music, things like that. So, For you, what's the thing that makes that's most effective in a I horror film? I think what's most effective for me is, I said music, because I think that can really kind of set the tone, mm. and, um, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think lack of music can help, too. That's a, that's a good point. That's, yeah. that's even better, which in this movie that we watched, Clove Hitch Killer, in one of the, the scenes where the big attack at the end mm -hmm. where the kids confront the, 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 the dad, yeah. I don't think there was music in that 
scene, like when they're fighting and he's choking his son. If it is, it was like incidental. It wasn't like super over the top, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, a good, a very good point. The lack of music, the episode of mm. Buffy where no, I don't the body, yeah. the body, yeah. um, no music throughout the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is very interesting. Yeah. What, what about? That's a, good, that's a good idea. And I think Sinister is what made you think of the question, right? Because the score in that one. The score is really scary and um, kind of spooky. And like it's a score that I listen to. And um, recently when Craig and I have like just been reading, we've put on YouTube videos of horror movie scores. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to like just kind of read a horror book or thriller to like. Sets those, the mood. This sets the mm. mood. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's really fun. Awesome. <laughs> Jeff, how about you? What What are things, some things in horror movies that... I think the kind of things that scare me the most are things that could actually happen in reality mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, like, a monster. So, like, I love monsters. Like, it's, like, one of my favorite things. But but if I'm watching something like this movie is uh, Kofich Killer, you know, someone could really do this. Someone could really break in your house and, you know, kill you or hurt you, you know? Yeah. So that kind of thing seems a little scarier to me. Uh, there's, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Zodiac. I mean, I got that yeah. was an earlier pick of yours. But even something that didn't really have, like, you know, Michael Myers, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just a guy who, like, shows up to your house with a knife and just starts stabbing people. Like, yeah. someone could actually do that in reality if they wanted to, you know. Well, I think that's what they always say is so scary about the original Halloween is that it happens in a suburb. It's mm-hmm. not, like, off the beaten path. They're, mm-hmm. you know, Texas Chainsaw or Psycho. It's like... You have to kind of go out of your way to make make it to those places, whereas yeah, Myers like yeah. comes for you. Yeah. Or even when I so like when I was a kid, one of my biggest fears uh, was like the end of the world and <laughs> yeah. You know, oh yeah, you're laughing now. <laughs> but I, I got that fear from going to church and then sure. saying like, you know, telling us about Revelation and then like the rapture and all this stuff, and it terrified me, you know, and like nuclear war and stuff like that. And so I remember going to see. Uh, Terminator 2 with my dad at the drive-in and uh, scared the shit out of me. It wasn't the robots. It wasn't, you know, the T-1000 or Schwarzenegger or anything. It was that scene where the nuclear bomb goes off and she's like at the the fence and she's like, no! Yeah, Sarah Connor has that nightmare. Yeah. And that terrified me because I remember asking my dad, I was like, could that really happen? He's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) They really have bombs like that. And I'm like, and this is like around the time of like the Gulf War. So I was like, are they going to do that now? Like, Mm. you know. Were you scared with Y2K or were you like by that point too too old to really care about it? No, I didn't really, I never understood how Y2K was going to bring forth the end of the world. I guess not the end of the world. I guess just they just thought the society was just going to come crumbling down like all the computers and yeah. banks and everything which just well that's the thing is i just didn't understand like how does a uh, the date being wrong just destroy like, everything yeah, society society but yeah. like especially because like that's that was early on yeah. in automation and mm-hmm. uh the internet being so important and because i remember like at the time at pe- asking people about them like how does this work and somebody was saying like uh well the the all the clock all the calendars on the computers will go back to like 
1900 where there were no such thing as computers and the computers will be like i haven't been invented yet and shut down I'm like, that doesn't make any sense like <laughs> well i feel like they were kind but, of making it sound like it was the in the in days and with y2k and like the year 2000 and everything so yeah. and i was a senior in high school at the time so i was like this doesn't motivate me to do well in school right now yeah. life is going to end <laughs> and i remember asking my mom about that and she was like there every 20 years to say the world's going to end and she was older, so I was like, oh, so she's probably definitely been through this yeah. multiple times. So now I don't worry about it because, you know. I definitely had the same response, like, growing up when they were telling us about the end times and everything. Mm-mm. Thinking, like, well, I don't really need to be good at school or anything because <laughs> I'm just going to die when I'm 20. So, you know, like, who cares if I make good grades because I'll be out of here soon anyway. I'm going to get raptured up or whatever, you know? Like, um, at least mm. I was like, I hope so. I hope I don't like stay here with all these horrible things that are going to happen in these movies they forced us to watch. When oh, we were in no. high. The whole like left behind series. Yeah. It was such a big deal. And I remember there were bumper stickers. One that stuck in my head was something about how, uh, you know, caution mm-hmm. this, this, uh, Oh, this vehicle may become uh, unmanned. <laughs> you know, like people really thought that yeah. stuff. I mean, I guess think they still highly do, of yourself, so. don't you? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> and I like how they they weave the not weave, but like I'm, I don't, I, I doubt it was inspired by that. But like you know, in the new Marvel movies with Thanos doing the snap, and right, like right. half the people turn to dust. <laughs> sort of like touch of the rapture going on there. Yeah, like yeah. that scene where uh, what's his name. Uh, Nick Fury, he's driving along and it's the cars all are crashing and stuff and he's like, no one's in the car. <laughs> it made funny, somebody was like, is this the rapture? <laughs> uh, for me, if I was thinking about things that are really effective or important to me in horror movies, um, all the stuff you guys are mentioning, obviously, and the stuff you listed off in the beginning are always, you know, effective and important. Um, but this bare bones, I mean, like brass tacks, it's got to be creature design, like mm-hmm. the the look of monsters, and like I think it just harkens back to me loving Godzilla and King Kong and stuff like that, and movies with guys in suits and mm-hmm. um, loving Alien and Predator and uh, growing up, and so so for me it's always like I appreciate like a cool looking monster or a cool creature, um, and sometimes that's maybe why I don't like the CGI stuff as much because it doesn't have all that charm. But even those, sometimes I kind of dig those too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if it's got a good, good monster, it's like halfway there for me, maybe even more. So yeah. One of the things that they listed was fear of death and I didn't really get that. I don't watch horror movies or get anything from horror movies based on my own fear of death. Mm -hmm. Just because I feel like most of the deaths in horror movies are so over the top, unless it's realistic, like the strangers where right. yeah, that right. yeah. can totally happen that, but yeah, if it's aliens or I don't know, well, Nightmare on Elm Street. Strangers is a perfect example yeah. too. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but even like something like, um, you know, we watched, um, what was Lake Mungo? Lake Mungo. Oh, yeah. we, we watched Lake Mungo a couple of nights ago. Have you he seen and that, I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, we should pick that for the podcast. At some point, we bad. should look at it for the podcast um, because it's just a great, uh, slow-moving horror story. And uh, like, even though you know, thinking of like Haunting of Hill House, there's an episode, or um, that whole thing just deals with ghosts and everything. Uh, even though I don't believe in ghosts, um, there's something about 
the sadness of some ghost and some ghost stories that really do kind of make me think about mortality and uh, fear of death to a certain extent. You know what I mean? So I don't seek out movies because I'm scared to die. Um, I think that's just the human condition. <laughs> we're all a little, we're not all thrilled to be dying, but uh, uh, there are some ghost stories I think that are really effective because they that kind of rattles that little part of your brain or whatever. So, yeah. well, uh, find us on social media uh, at H A Horrorcast on Twitter and Half Ass Horrorcast on Instagram, and let us know what are the important things. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> what, what, are the, what are the things that are effective in a horror movie? What are the elements of a horror movie that you find the most effective? Yeah. Tell us, listeners. <laughs> Let us know. Thank you for joining me Beyond the Lines. So we liked in every episode of the Half-Ass Horrorcast, a little segment I ripped off from the Pop Culture Happy Hour. They call it what's making us happy. We call it what's making us scared. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That was good. <laughs> it's my scary laugh. <laughs> Jeff, how about you start us off? What's oh, making okay. you scared? Well, um, if any of the listeners out there follow me on Instagram at CreatureVilleArt, um, you'll notice I've been doing these... Lately, I've been doing these little drawings of um, kind of chibi versions of the Universal Monsters. It's like big heads and little bodies. and They're kind of cute. Yeah, trying to make yeah. them look cute. I've yeah. seen, uh, I mean, it's, it's not a wholly original idea. I, I've seen other people do similar things with superheroes and stuff, and I just thought, like, for fun, I was like, oh, I'll do one of these of, like, the creature. But it's like a genre, though, right? Kind of? Yeah. Like yeah. The, it's called, like, chibi or whatever, and yeah. it's a lot of, uh, I think it's... A lot of Japanese manga and animation stuff like that, but um, so I did all these Universal Monster ones, and uh, I was I was really liking them. And I was I have, the drawings that I posted were just like the sketches for what I'm planning on doing, which is I'll show you later when I when I get one finished. But um, one of our friends and listeners, Ryan Wickstrand, left a comment on one of the more recent ones, and he was like, oh, I love these. He's like, I wish I could get vinyl figures of these. Mm. Well, you can. Because <laughs> I found out, like, like right after I did the last one I drew, which was the Bride of Frankenstein, um, Funko was releasing little action figures that look exactly like the drawings I did. Mm. Um, and I'm not, I'm not accusing them of, like, ripping me <laughs> off or anything. It's just, like, it's just one of those things. It's like, it wasn't that original of an idea of mine. But it was it did kind of take the wind out of my cells. I was just sort of like once I saw that, I was like, well, why even keep doing this? Like, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Uh, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast recently, uh, postmortem with Mick Garris, and his guest was Neil Gaiman, mm-hmm. and Neil Gaiman specifically talked about that. How like some like young writers will come up to him and say, I had this idea for a story, but then I realized you had already done it, you know. And he's like, well, still do yours. Like, what what <laughs> yeah. makes it special is how you do it. So, yeah. like, even though Funko is coming out with like you know, little action figures and stuff. I mean, you have a totally different audience. Like, I'm sure there's crossover and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I would think what you bring to it will make it special versus, you know. Yeah, and I was I was never planning on doing vinyl figures. I, right. I don't even know how to do that. But uh, I, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll post it on Instagram when I get one of the, I, yeah. my, my original idea finished. 
but I've also noticed um, all of them I, I did like uh, pen and ink and then colored it with uh, markers and colored pencils except for Frankenstein which I colored that one in Photoshop and I noticed that Frankenstein got like the least amount of likes so I'm thinking like maybe like the marker like the hand drawn look of it uh, is more appealing to the eye. It might be the the creature one. I thought was this electric. That was the one that seemed to get the yeah. most attention from when I was paying attention. You yeah, know. that one that got the most likes of anything I've ever posted. Yeah. like it's over a hundred, which I know like a, a pretty girl can take a picture in the mirror and get more likes than that. But like, <laughs> it's it's like it'd be like years and a lot of work to make it up to a hundred likes. So. Push your boobs together. Yeah, that's <laughs> so cool. Any yeah. people check out your what's it called again? Uh, Creatureville Art. Is it just at Creatureville Art? Is that? Yeah, just oh, Creatureville Art nice. on Instagram. And then I think I've also got it on Facebook too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Nice. Kia? Well, I was a little hard pressed to come up with something. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and go with mine. I have one though. <laughs> I decided I'm just going to use what I was going to do my blog write up on. Mm. So that's. Um, a comic book that I've been reading called Ice Cream Man mm-hmm. by um, hmm, W. Maxwell Prince, and the art is by Martin Morazzo. I don't know if it's, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, color by Chris O'Halloran. And um, I don't do the single issues for this one. I do the trades because I think I started a little bit late. So I'm up to the second trade. I think the third one is probably waiting at the comic book store. But um, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of Twilight Zone, except that there's like a reoccurring character called the Ice Cream Man that just kind of trolls this neighborhood. And all these creepy things happen to the people in the neighborhood. So the story is, they're kind of like one shots, but there's an overarching story. Hmm. And there's someone that's also following the Ice Cream Man, I think, trying to stop him. Hmm. So it's very interesting I really like it, and it's supposed to be, of course, made into a TV show, so. Cool. <laughs> Everything's yeah. a blueprint for a live action now. <laughs> nice. Ice Cream Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that Boom or Image, or do you know the... Image. Image. Nice. Ice Cream Man from Image. Check it out. And finally, what's making me scared is October 12th. Yeah. Because HAHC is going to present a movie. That's right. At an actual movie theater. That's right. Nine and a half weeks. (laughs) (laughs) The erotic classic. (laughs) Kia's choice. So don't get pregnant right now because you might miss the show. (laughs) But actually, we are going to be presenting Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And uh, we uh, tentatively have uh, plans for something surrounding it, but right now the only thing that's concrete is we're showing Halloween 3 at a really cool historic theater in our hometown, or it's not any of our hometown. Oh, it well, is. it's my hometown. <laughs> in Jeff's hometown of Gallatin, Tennessee. And uh, it's been around since 1915, has a lot of history. It's very cool. And uh, so if you are in the middle Tennessee area, uh, maybe... Mark that on your calendar and yeah. join us. Don't make any plans that evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be a nice Halloween-y evening with H-A-H-C, Kia, Jeff, and Craigie McGee. 
but we'll definitely be talking more about it as the weeks go by and we have more details and uh, extravaganza. But yeah. <laughs> so October 12th, mark your calendars. Be there. And it is my choice. It is. And I don't know what you're going to pick. Yeah. Craig's choice uh, for the movie. I actually put it out there on social media. So uh, that's another reason to follow us on Twitter and Instagram is to help select movies sometimes. And I had a poll on uh, Twitter, and the listeners helped me select the movie. Mm -hmm. I gave them four choices, and the top one was one I was really wanting to do, so it worked out quite nicely. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Got to tell the secret of that fabulously tasty chili. Uh, No secret. It's the meat. Uh, Don't skimp on the meat. Uh, I I got a real good eye for prime meat. Oh. Okay. Where are the other choices? I don't want to confuse the (laughs) listeners. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And it is readily available to stream. Damn it. I looked this up earlier. Oh, that Tubi service. Oh, yeah. And Voodoo, or whatever it's called, the V U D I. Um, I think that's what it's called. V-U-D-U. Voodoo? Yeah. And Tubi. It's T-U-B-I. That's yes. right. <laughs> um, so, it, you know, you can find it a couple of places to stream if you have a Roku or a device like that. Uh, but also, it's totally ownable. If you listen to yeah. this podcast, it's definitely something that you're going to want to check out. So, join us next time. What were the other choices? Well, I don't, oh, you're not going to... The listeners don't need... Listen, oh, if the listeners want to know what the choices are, they need to follow us on Twitter... And Instagram. I'll tell you off mic. <laughs> but no. You should start following <laughs> us on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, I do want to thank uh, all of our followers on Twitter uh, for giving some really good suggestions. Because I definitely, I have a slate now. I don't even have to okay. think about what I'm picking from here on out. I've got some choices down the line. Because some people had some really good suggestions. And there was a close second to the poll. So, mm-hmm. uh, So, yeah, be looking for some goodness coming up. Thank you for listening. Keep slamming that evil. Keep busting. (laughs) Bye. Hi-ya. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfassedhorrorcast.com. Yeah.